Thank you, Jimmy. We're now going to turn our attention to Daniel chapter 4, printed on page 11, starting on page 11 in your worship guide. I do invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. It may take me up to six or more minutes to read this. If you get tired, you're welcome to sit down. But Daniel chapter 4, this is the living and abiding word of God. It is a precious gift from God to us, his people. So let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit to enable us to receive it as such this morning. Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last Daniel came in before me. He who was named Balthasar after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Balthasar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to the heavens, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let, them, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones. To the end, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reached to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it. 
but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, and the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. This is the word of the Lord. The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills. That is the message of this chapter. That is why this event happened in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar over 2,500 years ago, so that he would know, so God's people would know. God's people, the Israelites who were living in Babylon in exile, so they would know, so that you and I would know today that our God is the most high. He rules the kingdom of men and he gives it to whom he will. God reigns over all. He is in control. He is indeed sovereign. And once again, there is both a comfort and a call in this great truth, in this message. There is comfort. Our Father in heaven reigns. Our God is great 
and we do not have to be in control. He's got the whole world in his hands. This is our Father's world. Not a hair can fall from your head apart from the will of your Father in heaven. There is comfort in this truth. It can bring us peace and rest. But there, are, there is also a call in this truth. For we must yield, we must submit to the reign of God most high. We must break off from our sins and repent and live in light of this truth. Obey your king. Live for his glory and not your own. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. The most high rules the kingdom of men. He gives it to whom he will. This is somewhat of a repeat lesson for King Nebuchadnezzar and for Israel, and even for us today. We can be slow to learn. We've seen aspects of this message in the first three chapters. Chapter one, God gave. It was God who actually gave his own people into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. It was a judgment upon them for their idolatry. Chapter two, King Nebuchadnezzar had this first dream, and God revealed the dream and its interpretation to Daniel. And that dream, you might remember, was meant to show the king that his reign was just a passing phase in the scheme of human kingdoms. It was given to him and it would be taken away. Chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar arrogantly defies God and he tells all the people, I command you to bow to my God, to bow to me, and if you do not, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? But God Most High did indeed deliver his people out of the king's hands. And Nebuchadnezzar then would confess, there's no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And now here in chapter 4, we see that God, the Most High, rules. His patience is up. And judgment will come. And this will be the last time that we hear from Nebuchadnezzar. Although in the next chapter, chapter 5, we'll see that his son, We'll learn a similar lesson. So remember, chapters 2 through chapter 7 are written in Aramaic. The beginning and the end of the book are written in Hebrew. But this middle section in Aramaic, that helps us see the outline, the structure of the book. We see that chapter 2 and chapter 7 go together. Chapter 2 is Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Chapter 7 will be Daniel's dream. Chapter 3 and chapter 6 Go together. Chapter 3, last week, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. And we asked, where is Daniel? Well, where is Daniel? Not only was he in the court of the king, perhaps on some other important business, but he is in chapter 6. Chapter 3 and 6 go together. Where is he in chapter 6? He's in the lion's den. Chapter 4, here we have King Nebuchadnezzar learning his lesson. And chapter 5, his son will learn his lesson, we will see that two proud kings will be humbled by the Most High God. Chapter 4 begins with this testimony from King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 1, hear those words again. He's giving a message to all peoples, nations, and languages. This phrase connects us back to chapter 3. To the same group of people that he had commanded to bow to his statue of gold, he now testifies to the greatness of of the Most High God. So Nebuchadnezzar goes from being a persecutor of the faithful to being a witness to the faith. And beloved, this is what our gracious God 
our God who reigns over the heart of every man and woman and boy and girl and all the world. This is what our gracious God does. He transforms. He takes away hearts of stone and replaces them with tender hearts. This is what God does. It's what he has done. It's what he is doing right now all over the world. It's what he will do until Jesus comes back. There are people today who are blaspheming God who tomorrow will be bowing the knee. Praise our most high God. And beloved, this is our story. This is what God has done in our lives. And this is the only way to be saved. For the most high God who reigns over all. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven. He reigns over all. The only way to be saved is for this almighty God to intervene in your life and the lives of the people that you know, to give sight to our blind eyes so that we can see his glory and the face of his son, Jesus Christ. We need him to restore our reason so that we no longer suppress the truth, but instead we honor God as God and we give thanks to him. We worship and serve him, the creator, rather than the creature. This is what we need in our lives. Chapter 4 begins and ends with Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. So we know how the story ends right from the beginning with the king praising God. And just think about the impact this would have had on the original hearers of the word of God. Anytime you study the word of God, you want to know who it was written to first. Put it in its context. It will help you understand the meaning. So think about that impact. The Israelites... God's Old Testament people, they're suffering in exile in Babylon. They had been defeated. It looked like and it felt like the Babylonian gods had not only conquered them, but had defeated Yahweh. But now they hear this testimony from the mightiest king on earth that their God has humbled this powerful king, has laid him low, even until the point where he will confess with his own mouth that their God indeed is the most high. He praises and honors their God whose dominion is everlasting, whose kingdom endures from generation to generation. While Babylon will fade away, God's kingdom will remain. So the message of this chapter is meant to comfort God's suffering in people. Despite appearances to the contrary, their God, the God most high, is sovereign over all. The most high rules the kingdom of men, and indeed gives it to whom he will. That statement is repeated three times in this chapter. So for the authors of the Bible, repetition was their highlighter, their bold print. It was a way of making it stand out. Pay attention, take note, this is important, remember this. Now some parts of the Bible, and indeed we'll find some parts of Daniel, are harder to understand than others. Much harder to determine the main point of the message. This was an easy one. It's easy not only because it's repeated over and over and over again, but because of the clear statement in verse 17. Let's look at that again. Verse 17. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end. There's the purpose statement. This is why this is happening. There's a goal in mind. To the end, that the living may know 
that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest, lowliest, lowliest of men. This is what God wants you to know today. He rules the kingdom of men and he gives it to whom he will. Now you might say, I don't believe that God rules. Or you might be tempted to think, I already know that God rules. I guess I don't have to listen to the rest of the sermon. But my prayer is that wherever you are on that spectrum, God Most High would speak to you by his spirit through his word right now. That's what we're doing right now. We are seeking to listen to God Most High through his spirit by his word. I pray that will happen and that he will grant you faith to believe this truth and empower you to live in light of this truth. That it will make a difference in your day-to-day living. That it will bring you comfort that it will compel your repentance and your obedience, that your practical day-to-day living would reflect more consistently this glorious truth that is being revealed to us once again today. The Most High rules the kingdom of men. He rules over all, from the greatest to the lowest, the highest to the smallest detail. He rules the kingdom of men and he gives it to whom he will. Now, to pursue that aim, we want to stay close to the text. We want to look at each section where this message is repeated and simply point out three aspects of living in light of this truth. So we want to see the futility of life without God, the opportunity to repent, and then finally, the reasonable way to live. So we begin with the futility of life without God. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He wants to know what it means, and so he calls his special team of interpreters once again only this time he's going to try to make it easier for them he'll actually tell them the dream this time in chapter two he he didn't tell them the dream in chapter two and they failed he goes easy on this them this time but it still doesn't help they fail again verse seven i told them the dream but they could not they could not make known to me its interpretation all the paid pagan professionals could not interpret the dream. Now again, think about what they look like to the exiles in Babylon. Here you have this special team of interpreters. They have the power, they have the glory, they have the wealth, they have the high positions, they have the riches, the honor, the fame, but they are nothing. And they can do nothing apart from God. And this underlines the failure of paganism. The failure of life without God. People may prosper for a lifetime, but they cannot stand before God on the basis of their material possessions or worldly wisdom. They can prosper for a lifetime, but they will suffer for eternity if they do not bow before the true king who reigns over all. This world and the gods of this world and the wisdom of this world cannot save, it cannot rescue, it cannot meet your needs, it cannot lead you to peace or everlasting life. There's only one who can. And I think there's a hint in this dream of that one who can. And I think we see it in the stump. Now, we see it clearly in the broad picture, but think about the stump. The dream is of this tree that's cut down and destroyed, but the stump is left, verse 15. 
but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound it with a band of iron and bronze. Now here's a note of hope. Yes, it's for Nebuchadnezzar, but I think it's also for God's people. Those familiar with the Old Testament scriptures may think of the root of Jesse from Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So King David would die, and the royal tree, we could say, of his kingdom would be cut down. But a shoot would later come out of that stump. And who was that but the great son of David, and yet his Lord, Jesus Christ. He would come to rescue and to reign. He alone leads to life and peace. So I think there's imagery in that stump. Elsewhere in Scripture... The stump refers to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here, it refers to Nebuchadnezzar, and yet there's hope for him as well. Judgment is coming, but there's opportunity if you will repent. The tree is cut down, but the stump remains. And that stump is evidence of the disaster that has taken place. His kingdom has been taken away from him, but yet it offers this note of hope for the future. But that hope for the future comes only in knowing and submitting to the truth. God reigns over all. Look again at verse 17. This is the first time that this theme is repeated in this chapter. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliness of men. Nebuchadnezzar hears this message in his dream. And then he turns to Daniel for the interpretation because, as he says in verse 18, all the wise men of my kingdom are not able. All the wise men of my kingdom, all the wise men of this world are not able to make known to me the interpretation. So, first, we see the futility of life without God. A lack of dependence upon God leads to an inability to to live as God has designed. Next, we see the opportunity to repent. Daniel hears the dream. God gives him the interpretation once again. But he's hesitant to tell the king what his dream means. It's bad news for the king. And so Daniel says he wishes that it would be for someone else. Verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you, till you know. Here's the second time it's repeated. Till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. The king will become like a beast. Not figuratively, this is literally. He is going to live like an animal until he knows, until he believes that there is a God who reigns over him. Till he believes that this God is sovereign. Yet there's a message of hope in this judgment. Verse 26, Daniel says, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you. When? When will that happen? From the time that you know that heaven rules. There's a message of hope if Nebuchadnezzar will respond 
with repentance and belief. This message from Daniel is the kindness of God to Nebuchadnezzar. He does not deserve the hope that is given to him. Daniel tells the king the truth. He provides clarity for him on the nature of life and on who truly, actually reigns. And it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. When it is revealed to you that there is a God and you are not him, you are accountable to him, when it is revealed that you face judgment because of your sins, what is the only appropriate response? Repentance. Any other response will only lead to death. This is why Daniel pleads in verse 27, therefore, because these things are true, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Break off your sins. That simply means stop doing the wrong you're doing. Turn from it. Do not continue in your sins. Instead, break with the old habits. Walk in the newness of life. Do what is right. Turn from idols to serve the living and the true God. For Nebuchadnezzar, he had oppressed the poor. He had oppressed the helpless. And so Daniel calls for him to do the opposite. Show mercy to the oppressed. What would Daniel say to you? What might the Holy Spirit be saying to you right now? What sins do you need to break off, to turn from, and in their place, submit to the true king and walk in righteousness? Nebuchadnezzar had the opportunity to repent, and he refused. The sovereign God calls you to repent today. You have the opportunity right now. You hear this message of judgment and hope, and you have the opportunity to cry out to God for mercy. He will hear and he will forgive. Why? Because he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, who willingly laid down his life for you. He shed his own blood for your sins so that you can be forgiven. You can be cleansed from your sins and you can live a life of peace and joy that comes from yielding to the reign of the God who made you, who rules over you and yet who also gave himself for you to bring you into his loving reign into his kingdom. Will you repent today and submit to the reign of God most high? Well, finally, we see the reasonable way to live. The reasonable way to live. Nebuchadnezzar does not heed Daniel's words. God in his mercy allows his reign to continue for a whole nother year. And while Nebuchadnezzar is enjoying the prosperity of his kingdom, he's looking out on all that he believes he has created, he has built, he has made. Look at all the great things I've done. He's boasting of his power and his glory. And in that very moment, God displays his sovereign power. Verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men. 
and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. The judgment of God fell upon King Nebuchadnezzar. God's word proved true as it always does. But this is not the end of the story. For God is not only just and right to punish sin, He is also merciful. He is kind to undeserving sinners. And beloved, what good news that is, not just for a king long ago, but for you and for me today and every day. God is merciful. He is kind to undeserving sinners. Well, verse 34 says that Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to heaven. What does that mean? It means that he turned to God for mercy. He turned to God for help. God had humbled this one who walked in pride and Nebuchadnezzar turned to God. Can I just call him Neb from now on? He turned to God and God restored his reason to him. And don't miss this. Don't miss the significance of this. God restored his reason to him. And what was the result? Verse 34 He blessed the Most High. He blessed the Most High. To bless is to acknowledge that all blessing comes from God. Nebuchadnezzar didn't build this. He didn't earn it. Any good he had came from God. And so he says that his reason returned. And he did what rational people do. This is what rational people do. He responded in accordance with the truth. He acknowledged and he praised and he worshiped God most high. You know what happened to this king? It truly happened. But it serves as an object lesson for you and for me today. It's an object lesson for us all. When you live as if you are in control, as if you can do as you please with no judgment, no accountability, if you live as if you are king and there is no God, you live like a beast. You are just as foolish. There's a sense in which we are all Nebuchadnezzar clones. We want to call our own shots. We want to direct our own show. We have a passion for self-glory. We don't see how foolish this is, but thanks be to God. He rescues us from our self-delusion. He opens our eyes to the glory of the true king. He gives us the sight of what life is truly like and our true need. Here God reveals his sovereignty to Nebuchadnezzar, to all the people's nations and languages, to his suffering people in exile, to Daniel, through this Old Testament story. But God reveals this even more powerfully and clearly throughout the New Testament, where we read of the sending of his own son, Jesus, 
You see, the scriptures tell us that God sent his son Jesus to destroy the works of the devil, to dethrone the most powerful created being. Jesus calls him the ruler of this world. And as soon as Jesus came and began his public ministry, Satan attacked him. He tried to destroy him. But Jesus resisted all of his temptations. And then he powerfully and very publicly demonstrated that Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God. And Satan's reign of terror would end. Jesus healed the sick. He easily cast out demons. He bound the strong man. He plundered his house. But then Satan would bruise his heel. It would look, it would feel like, once again, the enemy had won. Jesus was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. But Satan's apparent victory was actually his crushing defeat. Why? Because Jesus crushed his head. He rose from the dead. He conquered not only Satan, but also sin and death forever. Beloved, Satan is an utterly defeated foe. He is a beaten enemy on God's leash. Yes, he does wage war on the lamb and on his people. But beloved, our lamb is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he has conquered our enemy and he will conquer him. For Jesus is the most high who reigns over all. And Revelation tells us that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Chapter 4 ends with Nebuchadnezzar praising the king of heaven. This is the only time that that phrase, that title is used in the entire Old Testament. And it comes from the lips of the king of all the earth. We have this confession, this acknowledgement, that there is a greater king, There is one who rules over him, a king who truly has dominion over all, the king of heaven. And so, beloved, find comfort in this truth. God aims for this truth to comfort you, his people, today. Your God, the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who gave his son for you, your God is sovereign over all earthly kingdoms. He can replace rulers at will With ease. And a moment's notice. Nebuchadnezzar is long gone. His son will be gone in chapter 5. Nero is long dead. Hitler and Stalin. Their reigns of terror are over. They are gone. They are judged. Putin will be too. But our God. The most high. He still lives and always lives. And reigns forever. And his kingdom came with the first coming of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it will come in perfection when Jesus comes again. Beloved, this is not just a made-up story. It's true. Jesus is coming for us. That's, we have that bold heading at the end of our worship guide. That's intentional. Don't forget that truth. It's glorious truth. And reasonable people live with that truth in mind. His kingdom will replace all earthly kingdoms. 
and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and righteousness and justice and peace will flow freely and all peoples and nations and languages will praise the King of heaven. Why? For all his works are right and all his ways are just. Amen. Amen. We say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.